1: And we're here. It's the One Tough Mother Show. Welcome this week. And guess what? It's freaking snowing out. I can't take it. (sighs) It's March 14th and it's snowing. I can't do it. I can't do it. Stop. Stop now. Stop immediately. In fact, before we went live, Seth and I were doing...
2: (gasps) Oh, it's, yeah, it's a big storm out here. Yeah, the wind's really
1: coming in heavy. Whoa. Because that's what it's like outside right now, for God's sakes. Let's go
2: to Karen up in the chopper.
1: I don't know because it's <laughs> not
2: Okay, we're losing our minds yes, here. Yes,
1: we are. I can't. T- that's because it's the weather. It's dark out. I can't take another minute of it.
2: I have a snow story. Oh, God. Yes. Uh, so, for the big storm last week, Yes. I went out uh, and shoveled. Okay. And while I was shoveling, branches were falling around me. Like literal branches falling out of the sky. Why did you go in? What? Well, Why didn't you just go in? I did. I okay. didn't, But I didn't do the sidewalk. I, I, I live on a corner, so there's a sidewalk. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to risk my life so people's shoes don't get wet. It's just, <laughs> I just don't feel like that's the smart thing to do. And then it was frozen, and I don't really have, I have a plastic shovel. I do have a metal shovel, or I don't have a any, like, anything. A chopper?
1: To, you don't yeah, have a don't nice have a, chopper? I don't have a
2: chopper. Oh, chopper. Um, so I kind of let it go. I was hoping the sun would melt a little bit uh-huh. and be able to get to it. The cops came to my house twice, and the first time on Friday night, I had picked up some food, and I pulled into the driveway, and I was on the phone. <coughs> I was, no, no, no. I was on the phone. All of a sudden, I see this monster walking toward my car, and I don't my know- My son if, was there? It looked like your son. <laughs> I, I don't know it's a cop. All I see is like this just kind of shadowy thing right. coming to me. He's like, oh, I'm going to be your sitting duck. I got to get out of the car. I was like, hey, what are you doing? I li- and I saw and it was a cop, and I, I knew who the cop was okay. from my neighbor uh, uh, problems. He said somebody called about the this, this sidewalks at 9 o'clock at night on Friday night. They called about the sidewalks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry I made your your uh, commute to the Y 15 seconds longer to walk there. Yeah. Um, and they came back again the next day, the cops. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I go to Home Depot and buy something? I don't know what I'm going to do with this. So my neighbor gave me some salt. I put salt down and then actually went down outside with a little tiny hammer and I hammered. Oh my God. I, I went around the <laughs> s- sidewalks and I hammered the ice and I and I never do this, but I, I belong to the Westfield uh, Facebook group. And I right. wrote, I wrote, um, you know, for the first time in five years, I didn't shovel the sidewalks. You know, I have a neighbor that's supposed to shovel, too, and right, she never has. Right. And so for the first time in five years, I didn't shovel the sidewalks. And uh, my neighbor decided to call the cops. Uh, I hope having a icy sidewalk is the worst thing that ever happens to in your life. Something like that. And, yeah. But you know what I, realized, what I learned? for? I just vented. And what I learned was... People live on these group chat things. Oh I'm my like, God! Seth, I got two hundred. No I got two hundred and twenty comments yes. on this, and you know most people were understanding. Like, okay, he said he normally shovels. It's not really about the shoveling or the snow. It's about a neighbor calling the cops. Right. That's what it was about. And most people right, got right. that. Other a couple people ripped me. Really? They, they ripped you for not shoveling? And and they Googled me and researched me. He's a certified personal trainer. He's just being lazy. <gasps> And this other guy wrote, I don't know if this matters but he's a renter. It's <laughs> <He's> like, wow, <laughs> how did he, how did he even and I googled myself. How does he know I'm a renter? I was like, wow. I didn't I was tempted to but I did not answer these people. No,
1: no, no, it was no. It's ridiculous. No, no. That sleeping dog's life, dude. But it's
2: funny, right? It's like, oh, he's a renter. He's not one of us. My town's very snooty. Us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, no wonder he didn't shovel. He doesn't care. He doesn't need he doesn't pay property taxes in this yeah. town. He's not paying 25,000 a year to yeah. live here. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not stupid. But you know
1: what? I'm sorry, Seth, and, and <laughs> I'm
2: sorry about this. But, but yeah, you tell me
1: you're hammering, and you know what? I get a vision of minions.
2: I was like a minion. <laughs> I was. I was like I was like <laughs> ice is flying in my eyeball, I, I, and I had the salt. You know, so the, I mean, I'm probably gonna go blind in two days from now because like the salt <laughs> stuff I put down is flying in my eyes as I'm hitting the snow with a little hammer. I got it all up. I, mean, I, I can't
1: even believe well, Here, can you just invest in a chopper in the spring? Because you are going to own a home at some point. You
2: need take me to the chopper. Oh, not that kind of chopper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, I yeah. want the chopper. My mom actually said she has one and give it to me because she doesn't have to do it herself. So, Oh, all yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, I got a workout out of it
1: oh man it's, it was killer it was a lot
2: it was a lot it was, it was, some parts were actually hard to do I keep hammering it you know, that's like, why I go out there thung, every thung, hour thung, thung. I just go
1: out every hour and just take off what's falling like our every town was hour, bad hour and the and school half.
2: was closed for like two or three two Wait, and a half days how many days. inches did you get it wasn't the inches it was the down power lines and the down trees oh
1: yeah 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 it yeah. wasn't a lot of snow yeah, like I went well, some out there at night. In I was able to got, Like eighteen, twenty
2: inches. It's weird. Like it's how close. Like my brother lives close, but he's more elevated. Uh-huh. It's amazing. People don't realize. You know, people don't or live in areas or have snow that you know. You go a couple miles it can make a big difference. Absolutely, It's crazy.
1: We got like six. I think six inches. Maybe 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 five, five or six inches. The people like right down the road from us got like eighteen inches. i was like what because it's the band that you're in whatever band you're in and there's a lot to do with it but they don't people don't realize in new jersey we are actually we do actually have woods and we are rural on some parts of jersey big time and yeah it's really really snow and this morning when i woke up just driving into the city it was okay like once i got towards the city it started you know just being snow flurries and, and rain mixed and all that crap but where i was at it was snowing pretty heavy when i left this morning
2: Oh yeah, no, it's coming down, but it—it it wasn't that—that that snow from last week was heavy. No, 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 that was really heavy, heavy. right? Wet, heavy but snow. But that's
1: always I, somebody else talked to me about this, and I said, you know what? Ever since I can remember, spring snows are always very wet and very heavy because they're always mixed with rain because it's in the forty degrees. Yep. So they're wet and heavy, and they drop branches and trees like nothing else. Remember,
2: really five years ago or so, uh, it snowed in the end of October yes and a lot of trees a lot of yes. leaves and stuff so it was really bad yes and I don't think it snowed the rest of the winter it was weird I
1: don't think it did either it was just that
2: one snow in October which was crazy
1: yeah it was nuts but we're it's done it's dangerous
2: it. the wet snow's dangerous
1: yeah I'm really done with it completely again I said this last week I said it probably the week before when it hits March I'm done dude snow November December January February get it out of your damn system right come March boom boom I, I went sun sun because it's just dark.
2: well we got the daylight savings
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's So I got up early
2: this morning in pitch black, yeah. <laughs> you know, going to work. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's but... another
1: story because we're all farmers. We need that daylight savings. Mm-hmm. So I just, crazy. But but we want to talk about the guests we have today. Uh, oh, we have a guest? We do. We have Heather Monahan, Oh. Boss in heels. That's why I got my cowboy kicks on. I wear my cowboy boots. She's legit. She is legit. She's very, very cool. She's got a, a great entrepreneurial spirit, a great story, and she really helps a lot of women and gives a lot of women advice on Being an entrepreneur and and going out on your own and doing business and being brave. And and I just really want you to listen to her. So when we come back, we're going to have Heather Monahan hashtag boss in heels. I got my cowboy boots on because she said, whatever wear whatever you're comfortable in. That's what you should be. And that's what I'm in. And what do you have on?
2: Oh, just the regular stuff.
1: High heels. All right. We'll (laughs) be back. The
0: One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you.
1: Hi, everybody. So again, I have the beautiful, beautiful Boston Heels owner, and I'm excited to talk about her. And I was going to wear heels, Heather. Heather Monahan is here, but guess what? I didn't because you said in one of your interviews, heels, running shoes, boots whatever makes you you and guess what I wore my boots how are you I'm good thank you for having me oh I'm so excited we were super excited to have you and we're super excited that it's in the studio it's so much so much more fun when we have people in the studio so we're glad that you could arrange that so tell us what's going on tell us what's news with you
0: So uh, a lot of great things since 2018 hit. um, Thrive Global named me one of their limit-breaking female founders. Yay! It's exciting Um, and I finished my book Confidence Creator and it's being published right now and it's going to be out in April and I'm really excited for the launch.
1: Oh I'm excited for the launch too because I want the book. (laughs) I want to get your book. It sounds amazing. Tell me about Boston Heels. What is it? What's the background on that?
0: Sure. So I grew up without a female mentor, and I really focused myself on achieving at work and breaking the glass ceiling. And the way that I did it was to outwork everybody. I didn't know any tips or tactics in regards to getting ahead to build confidence in myself and to have the confidence to go after what I wanted in my career. So I just thought I'd outwork everyone. Once I reached that point and, and had broken the glass ceiling and had achieved success at work, I thought I want to give back to those Girls who are now in the situation that I was in, this shouldn't be a mystery for people to figure out. So I created Boss in Heels growing up. Again, uh, the boss was the tall white man in the navy blue pantsuit. And for me, Boss in Heels is about being whoever you are, bringing your unique self, your u- unique power and style to work, and being proud of that and leading um, with that uniqueness.
1: I think that's amazing, and I, I really I really admire you for that, because like you— um I grew up in the industry where every, we both came from radio. Mm-hmm. I came from radio 20-some years ago before I started my agency. You've been in radio most of your life, and you're right. We were always like the – there was always the guy with the black suit or the navy blue suit, and it was always very, very um, stereotypical. So I love that, and I love the fact that you're doing it for women that need a hand up or a help. To, to to realize they can do it too, right? Anybody
0: can. Absolutely. Yeah. And it definitely isn't just about women. I've been told that by a lot of men. So I don't want to make it just about women. I really just want to help others that might be in a situation where they need to build their confidence. They need to know how to get ahead and give them those tools that I've learned along the way.
1: That's awesome. And when you say you didn't have a female mentor, did you, you were with your mom and your brother and your sisters?
0: My mom raised four kids on her own. So she was always at work. She worked three jobs. And it was really tough growing up because we didn't have money. And she had to apply herself and outwork everybody so that she could make ends meet because she had four little kids at home. So that was a really tough time. So I didn't have a lot of access to seeing her or, you know, really my mother had never been in business. She was married and didn't have a job. She had to figure that all out herself. So she wasn't that person that I could say, mom, how do I do this? She didn't know either. So for me, it was figuring out how to get there and then giving it back to everybody else to pay it forward.
1: That is so awesome because I was a single mother of four. And when I read that about your mother, I thought, I know exactly how that ran and exactly how that worked. And it's incredible and it's awesome that you appreciate that and that you go back and saying, hey, I'm going to help everybody out because I know how that
0: was. Well, it's not, it's definitely not easy. It wasn't easy for my mother. I'm sure it wasn't easy for you to do that, you know, but what I figured out along the way is it life isn't easy. Nothing. No, Nothing's you know, it, easy. it really isn't. And people might make it look like it's easy on the outside, but it really isn't easy. And it's really up to you. You know, everyone's going to be faced with adversity challenges and it's up to you how you respond in the face of those challenges. And that's really the message about Boss and Heels is how you can overcome adversity, how you can take control of your life and how you can create the life that you want because everybody's got that potential
1: that's so amazing you know what I loved it about the cop give us some insight into your book
0: okay so the book is called confidence creator as I said it's coming out in April and really confidence creator is a compilation of stories from my life they are definitely not my proudest moments it's not a highlight reel that I'm sharing with everybody on why I succeeded no It's kind of the opposite. It's really where I struggled. It's the stories about when I was getting sexually harassed at work and how I overcame that, how I did it right, how I did it wrong. But how you today, the reader, can apply what I've learned to your life if you're in the situation, if you're faced with adversity. I talk about getting fired from my radio career um, just you know this past summer, and talk about how I bounced back from that, how I made the decision to start my own company, and why, and how you can, too. So it really lays out a lot of different times in my life that were very challenging, not my proudest moments, not my highlight reel, as I said, but these are true stories that are very relatable to anyone going through hardship and I talk a lot about confidence as a skill. It's not a talent you're born with. I certainly did not have confidence when when I was a young kid, but I learned how to build it. And through the stories that I share with the reader, I teach other people how to apply these lessons and utilize these tactics in your life so anyone can achieve confidence because for me, I I got knocked down back in August last year when I got fired and I had a 30-day plan and I applied it and I was able to elevate my confidence so much so that I was willing to take that leap of faith and start my own company. So these are real stories, real-time tactics that anyone can apply to their life to really build that confidence muscle and strengthen it daily.
1: I absolutely love that. You know why? Because all of us have had to reinvent you know, I closed my company down and I sunk everything I have into One Tough Mother. Everything, like every dime. And again, it's it takes a lot to reinvent and fear kills more dreams than anything in the world.
0: Absolutely. How'd you
1: get past the fear?
0: I learned a few years ago that when I feel fear, that means I need to lean into it. So that feeling of fear doesn't mean you stop and back off. Instead, everything you need is on the other side of it. Fear is a liar. And the faster you move through it, the faster you're going to get to where you really want to be. And I had always felt fear in my life at different times, and I had backed off. And now when I look back and I've journaled, you know, for almost my whole entire life, I can go back and read and see, oh, Heather, that's where you should have leaned into it and and raised your hand and said, I want to speak at this conference. I want to stand up for myself. And now when I look back, I see where I didn't and how that diminished my confidence further, held me back further. And instead, as I grew more experience and I started understanding that feeling fear means leaning into it and going after it, and then I started building this track record of success that came directly from moving into my fear so for me feeling that fear when I got fired told me right away oh my gosh this is right where I need to go and I got to move faster
1: oh that's an awesome point so but let's let's really talk realistically to the like really let's get down and we still feel it right you oh, sure? Still, yeah, Both of us, because people be like, wow, I can't believe the stuff you do. Oh, my God, I can't believe the people you meet. Right? You get that all the time.
0: Oh, I get a lot, you know, just because of social media. I think that people think your life is amazing right. every day and very easy. You're living easy. in a castle and right. people
1: are serving you.
0: <laughs> it's not the way. <laughs> no, my 10-year-old does not serve me, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. So you really still go through a
0: little bit of fear here and there, right? Well, if I wasn't, I wouldn't be growing. So right. that would really be sad. And it's kind of flipping the way that you used to look at fear into this new way, which I promise you is the right way. It is the way that pays. It's not easy, but it's how you reach your full potential. It's how you become that person you were meant to be and really start owning your strengths and feeling so different and so powerful. So, you know, moving into that fear is that first step that everybody needs to take. And if I stop feeling fear, I would know something was definitely wrong.
1: Right. Yeah, me too. And you know what I always think about when you're comfortable You're not learning anything.
0: No, you're complacent. So in life, I think that you're either moving forward or backwards. It's not a standing still game. So if you're feeling complacent, if you're feeling comfortable, you're actually going backwards because people are leapfrogging you. So that's when it's time to reinvent yourself, do something different and take some chances.
1: Right, right. Because really the only direction you should be looking for is forward. Absolutely. I mean, if you live in the past, you're going to stay in the past. So true. So, uh, tell me about your son. Like, what's it like being a single mom raising a boy?
0: Well, I'm actually engaged now. Oh, which is congratulations! Really Thank you. Um, but I have a ten year old son. He's amazing. We've just had the toughest month last month. He broke his leg in a basketball game and then got the flu, which was terrible. And it was kind of a cool thing that he t- he teaches me a lot because he's. Actually, he's who I dedicate the book to. He is a real inspiration for me in regards to seeing his confidence build in his life and how he really takes charge of it. So when he broke his leg... It was interesting. He had seen me go through getting fired, laying out a four week plan, focusing on where I wanted to go. And as soon as we got home from the hospital, I found him in his room, Googling songs on YouTube. And I said, what are you doing? Because minutes before he was crying about how sad he couldn't play basketball, his favorite love of life. And he said, mom, I'm looking for my comeback song. And he had shifted and flipped this terrible situation to focus on, four weeks from now, what he was gonna do when he walked back out on that court. And he picked this beautiful song, Glorious. And I downloaded it on my phone and I was listening to it all the time. And I was so proud of him. You know, We can all sit and wallow and self-pity and feel bad about what's happening in our life, or we can do something about it. And to see him empower himself, to focus on what his comeback was like, to start counting the days down and really take control of that situation, he made it as pleasurable as having a broken leg at 10 can be.
1: Oh my gosh, that is such a compliment to you. I mean, it's those moments that are sometimes far and few between that it's a compliment to you as a mother and what you're instilling in him, what you're teaching him and what he'll carry through life. I mean, it's that's amazing that he felt that great at 10, that he knew that he had to move forward. Of course, he's crying upset. You know, who doesn't get upset? I mean, I get like, I'm like, right now struggling about what we're going to do it. Seth and I are doing And I'm thinking this or that you get all worked up, but you have to do what you just have to have confidence and move forward.
0: Yeah, it definitely is exciting to see when your child makes a good decision like that. I definitely feel very proud.
1: You should. Oh my gosh, that's a big huge compliment to your parenting style. Thank you. What do you like to what do you guys like to do? Like what do you
0: do with him that's really fun? Sports. I mean, he is so driven by sports. It's just amazing. He's what you would think of when you think of a 10-year-old boy. Yes. He wants to be on the court. He's so passionate about basketball. We go to the Miami Heat games a lot. Aww. He any city that we go to, he wants to go to a basketball game in that city. So, definitely Definitely. Definitely basketball is his thing, but we also live in Miami, so we're so lucky to get to go to the beach and go to the pool a lot and and be outdoors and enjoy where we live.
1: Oh, that's really nice. But you you travel all the time, right? I do. Who stays with him while you're traveling?
0: So I have an ex-husband, and he keeps him three days a week, and I keep him four, so we split custody. And he travels for work. I travel for work. And it's been working out pretty well.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So you're super excited about the book. Give us a little more of the book. What's coming out that you really, really want people to understand about it.
0: Sure. So the most important thing about the book is that anyone can create confidence. And confidence is the one thing that changes everything. Anyone. Anyone. Absolutely anyone. Give us an exercise that will help you create confidence. Okay. So one of the most powerful lessons I've learned is firing negative people from your life and when you fire negative people from your life, and sometimes they're hidden sneaky little villains that are out there, and you really have to think about it, but I challenge people in my book to figure out who is that person that's bringing some level of negativity to you, because somehow, they're imparting something on you and your space that's holding you back, and when you take action and get rid of that person from your life, and I will say, people always say to me, what happens when that person's in your family, right? So there's some tough, Absolutely. There are some tough situations, and, and I completely get it. You need to develop boundaries when that happens and really put yourself first. So by that action of putting yourself first, creating boundaries, having a conversation with clarity that you are caring for yourself, all of these steps create confidence, and every step that you take further really just builds and that momentum builds. And you start realizing in any situation, I can either build that muscle or I can deplete it. Which one am I going to do right now?
1: That's excellent idea. And you're right. Even there, your family can be very negative about what's going on in your life. How do you, you, how do you build a boundary? How do you get rid of that? You just kind of like wall
0: it off? Well, for me, I experienced that when I launched my personal brand. I was a chief revenue officer at a radio company and they did not like the fact that I had elevated myself and put my brand out there to help others. They felt threatened by that. And I received a lot of kickback. Well, my family and some of my close friends out of, you know, wanting to care for me, advised me to shut it down. Well, then if it's upsetting people, just stop doing it. Instead of saying, Heather, what does your heart tell you to do? Because at the end of the day, only you know what you should be doing. You're the only one that really has that intuition. So I knew I was doing the right thing. And luckily, my fiance really supported me and backed me up on it. So when I did come into contact with people who loved me in my life that were saying, you know what, I just don't think you should do this. The risk is too large. You know, it, it might not work out. You could get fired. I would let them know, I appreciate that you love me. It means so much to me and I know you're looking out for me. Unfortunately, this is not what I need right now. I'm in a position where I'm doing something I'm passionate about. It's good. It's helping others. And I'm really proud of that. So if you aren't able to support me in this time, which I understand, I need to gain some space from you right now till I can work through this. And people really responded pretty well. No one disappeared from my life. They would become more understanding that I needed them to be more positive and supportive. And I really saw you know, a couple people in my life took that corner and are now huge advocates for me and what I'm doing. That's
1: incredible. But it's
0: always about them, you know, because it's always about us. Who, Where they're coming at you is from their experience. Maybe right. they tried something and it wasn't working out and they got scared and they pulled back and now they are afraid for you. So it's everybody projecting their own situation, their own history and their own fears onto you. When you can shield yourself from that and stand strong in your beliefs and your passions, you really build your confidence and that's when you start to take off.
1: That's so true. Everybody, you got to remember other people, look at you through their own eyes for sure. when they, and they apply their own personal you know issues or their own personal experiences and they're trying to help you it's just they don't get it you know they don't they don't understand that you're trying to do something on your own and they're just trying to shield you basically exactly I went through the same thing and so this has only been a year for you
0: it's not even a year yeah that was in August so it's not even a year yet
1: and you you came back I mean you came back quickly like did you have this kind of like brewing in your head like I want to do this like side hustle and I want to do this was there something like coming up inside you even when you were working in your corporate job Saying, there's something more here
0: well I had launched my personal brand a couple of years ago while I was still there I wasn't thinking at the time I wanted to start a company based off of that okay no because I, I had been at the company for 14 years I had a huge staff that I had been working with and recruited and I had no interest in leaving them so that wasn't you know I didn't have some master plan I wish I did because it would I would be much further along right now (laughs) right right. hindsight 2020 I wish I had been working on this much harder but I didn't have the time I was working my full-time job I traveled a lot for that job so on the weekends and at night I would you know work on my personal brand what getting fired allowed me to do was to focus full time on something I loved and making the transition from working in an environment that had really become toxic and negative and the radio business is very challenging and I was in charge of creating revenue so I had tremendous pressure on me in a negative growth environment and company and to pivot from that moment to working for myself in a growth industry, a growth field Wow! To just the attitude every day of feeling excited and about the opportunity and about realistic growth—it really changed my mindset. I had started losing hair. I had thrown my back out. I wasn't aware how much that toxic environment was wearing down on me. And that transition moment, literally within 30 days, my life just started changing for the better. And that's when I knew, oh my gosh, this is what I'm meant to do.
1: I, you know, I love it. I love how honest you are. I love love the fact that you you speak your authentic self because i think there's so many women out there right now and i can just think of hundreds that I speak to that are stuck in either a factory job or stuck in a job and they really feel like they're stuck like their feet are in cement and they can't go any further and it's there's it's twofold of course it's the income the children the fear of you know doing something else but for some reason women in their 40s and 50s right now 30s 40s even late 30s more so I see in their 40s and 50s they're contacting me and writing me and saying you know I want to try something else I want to try something different. My kids are kind of grown, and I've done this forever, but I'm so afraid. I'm afraid I'm not going to make money. I'm afraid I'm not going to get the position. And you're giving them tools to build that, and I love that.
0: Well, you know, it's like we just said. When you feel that fear, that means this is the moment to run towards it, not to use it as a cop-out. We could all sit here all day long. I promise you, I could have used plenty of cop-outs I'm not I'm sure there to was tears, this. right? Of course. I mean, like we said, nothing shock. is easy. I, I was devastated. I felt... In one moment, I felt everything has been taken away from me. Within a two-week period, I realized they couldn't take my reputation, they couldn't touch my savings, they couldn't touch my home, they couldn't touch my network, and they couldn't touch my confidence. They took a paycheck from me. That I'm able to replace. And I just got out and hustled. But sitting on the couch crying wasn't going to fix the problem. That's why I had a plan, just like I do with any business, any day of my life. I've got a plan, I've got a goal, and I take action and go after it. Because really, success is so directly correlated with taking action and pursuing it. So if you are in that job that you're not happy in, this is the moment today right now and your wake-up call to go ahead and take action. Start, update your LinkedIn resume, update your actual resume, start increasing your network and asking people where they see some opportunities. Do the -the behind-the-scenes work so that you can put yourself in a position for a better tomorrow.
1: Heather, that is so golden, especially the word ask. How, because we're mothers, because we're women, because we've been in the industry so long. I have, I I have this like weird thing about asking for help. The ask is always the hardest
0: thing to do. Oh my gosh, I've got to change that for you. So let me give you a good analogy. Oh,
1: I'm so happy. (laughs) I want to give
0: you a good analogy. For me, I felt the same way that you just expressed for my whole life. I wanted people to know I was strong and I could do it on my own. I don't need anyone's help. Well, that was when I wasn't as confident because I wanted people to perceive me a certain way. That actually overruled what I should have been doing, which was, hey, please come help me. The moment for me that really changed that was being pregnant, when I realized that I couldn't pick up my suitcase and put it overhead in the airplane anymore, but I needed help, and people were there wanting to help me. I had been struggling the bag up. In that moment, I realized, it's actually this man that just helped me, he, he did something nice for me, he feels good about it, I feel good about it because I'm not hurting my baby or causing any potential harm to me, wait a minute, this whole asking for help thing is a pretty beautiful thing. So in my mind, I would not let that moment go of the airplane with, you know, being pregnant. And as I, you know, years later, here we are 10 years later, when I got fired, I took to social media and I put a post out. And ultimately, I was asking for help. I was letting people know, listen, here's what happened. I've been fired. And it's a really tough time for me. By having that moment of vulnerability and letting people know I was struggling, I literally received 100,000 people reaching out to me from that network that I had created, offering help. And when they offered, I asked for specific things. If I couldn't think of anything specific, I would ask for a LinkedIn recommendation. But just pointing to something to say, in this moment, I need help. You've offered yourself. Here's what I'd like to ask you for. And they showed up and they did it. And and when they supported me and gave me contacts and connections and recommendations, I felt stronger and better. And it actually made me feel much stronger and more confident for asking for help.
1: Oh, my gosh. I see the Mountahan Method being a really great show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just it's amazing. It's amazing how in tune you are with what, what has to happen, and what needs to go on. And that comes from your background. I mean, we're hustlers, you and I. It's not hustler in the bad sense of the word we just know that there's no time to sit still
0: there's no it it passes you every day you never get the time back that's what I feel like the only thing I have going against me is time and that you can't control that clock. Right. So if you can't slow that thing down and we know we can't, right. we've got to move that much faster. And when I was younger, I remember being told in business, you move too fast. Measure twice, cut once. They would tell me when I was a young manager in in, um, in my first uh, company that I worked in in radio. And I would say, hell no, I'd rather be called a bull in a china shop that takes chances chances and moves forward than be that person still sitting in the corner measuring for the 52nd time. Right. And what I learned was by making mistakes and taking action, I leapfrogged everybody along that way. So again, it just goes back to how are you taking action today to impact your life for a better tomorrow?
1: Right, right. And and the fear of being wrong or the fear of failure It's just in your head. It just means we need to move into
0: it, remember? Because everything you want is on that other side. That's
1: in your head, dude. I mean, even if you do fail at something, it's not like it's stamped on your forehead. So what? It's another way of coming at it, right?
0: Just go a different way. It's just another experience, yeah. It doesn't need to be labeled a a failure.
1: Wow. Well, I'm, again, the book, the title of your book is? Confidence Creator. And it comes out?
0: In the end of April.
1: And tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, you
0: you can get me at Heather Monahan on any social media platforms. And my website is heathermonahan.com. Please sign up for my email list and you will get updates on the book.
1: And the, the website's gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. And Heather Bonahan, I can't thank you enough. Thanks I'm so for excited that me. you're up
0: here in town. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, please come back. I come would back love to. And,
1: and tell us how your book's doing. And we're gonna have a swanky new space when we see you again. I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. <laughs> thank you so much, Seth. Did you have any questions?
2: No, it was great. I I, I really like the fact how you tap into your personal strength, your inner strength, because you know we all face that. Negativity. You have these great ideas, and you go, and you're, you're so excited to share your ideas, and people say, like, ah, eh, it's not going to work. Ah, I don't think so. And you just re- you're so right. It comes from their own them from themselves, not from the idea. They almost are or like almost not jealous, but just it's like, oh well, I did. I had ideas, and I never did anything with them. You're not going to do anything with your ideas. Everybody's just always kind of pushing you down. Not everyone, but. Just, it, it definitely
0: happens a lot. It feels, and, you feel it. You know, if success was easy, everybody would have it. I love that expression, <laughs> yeah. right? Because at the end of the day, it's not easy to be that guy that gets up and takes that chance. Like you said, especially when other people are telling you every reason in the book why you shouldn't, but that's actually that fuel for why you should. They weren't able to succeed at it. They're, you can tell they're not happy about it. I don't want that to be me. I need to take action now and, and jump into this.
2: And something right. else. Um, you ever feel like when you have a lot of experience in something, you almost take for granted your expertise in the Absolutely. field, and you're like, "Oh, it's easy," you know? And but you can't do. I, you know, I find myself doing that, and you can't do that. You have to own it and be proud and, and pump your chest, puff your chest out, and say. I'm an expert at this, I'm great at this, and I I can do this for anyone.
0: You know, I call that owning your superpower. Everybody has a superpower in their life. Some people are amazing editors, some people are great singers, some people you know, are amazing on podcasts like you guys. So it's whatever is special and unique about you that you really can find strength in doing, and highlighting that for the world to see because you'll inspire other people to go after their passions and own their superpowers. So it's really, that's our job.
2: Very cool. Very cool.
1: And I have to mention real quick before we sign off, I want you to show everybody your ring. Holy (laughs) cow! I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Boston heels is a real babe on this. (laughs) Hold your hand up to the camera. Let him see. This is like a real rock. Good for you, dude. You really went after it. Good for you. Thank you, Heather Monaghan. We're so happy you were here. And you get she gets her uh, One Tough Mother parting gift. Oh, shirt. yeah. Okay, perfect. I love it. Thank so, you. Thank that's you a super,
2: so much. That's a superhero ring. That's not just a regular ring. That's right. Yes. I like, I oh, like the love way
1: you think. It. Love it. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And please, again, you know where I'm at. Call me and we'll have you back in. All right, we'll do it. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you.
1: And we're back and we have Tough Brother Seth here. He's got, he always pumps himself up when I do that. (laughs) Tough Brother Seth, he's got headlines and headaches. Hit it.
2: Brought to you by
1: American Cobalt Aqua Farms. And boy, do they have delish fish. American Cobalt Aqua Farms is a superfood. It's a fish that's loaded with omega-3, omega-6 protein, and collagen. It's truly a chef's dream, and I've said this a million times. We love them. They are our sponsor. We have been to the farm. Well, I have. Seth hasn't yet, but I've taken their fillets of their fish fillets down to a chef friend of mine in um, Atlantic City, who's the head chef down there. She did an amazing job. They're super, super delicious. American Cobalt Aqua Farms is supplying healthy nutritious food through responsible, sustainable, eco-friendly aquaculture. The quality of their all natural fish is completely uncompromised, never being exposed to antibiotics, never. Uh, vaccines, hormones, chemicals, heavy metals, uncontrollable environmental factors, because they control the environment in their farms. So these fish are just like unbelievably clean. The water is gorgeous. So, go to American Cobalt Aquafarms.com or you can call them at 973 300 0485. Again, American Cobalt Aquafarms, they have a delicious fish. It's a Peruvian sea bass. Peruvian sea Sea bass, which is also arapaima, which is like the genus name. But Peruvian sea bass, it's absolutely delicious. I love it. And I've eaten it. And you can eat it, too. You mm. can buy one pound, 10 pounds, 100 pounds, whatever you want to buy. American Cobalt Aqua Farms, 973-300-0485 or com. We love you. We love your fish. It's a delish fish. And here we go.
2: Okay. Apple buys the Netflix of magazines. Apple's buying Texture, a subscription service that allows users to read all or part of more than 200 magazines, according to Recode. The service will continue to work on both Apple and Android devices for its hundreds of thousands of subscribers. The acquisition for an undisclosed price mm, comes at amid heightened tension between publishers and big tech companies. This is really interesting. Um Apple Services Chief Eddie Q, who revealed the news at South by Southwest Media Festival in Austin, Texas, uh, today alongside Apple's press release. We're excited to Texture will join Apple, along with an impressive catalog of magazines from many of the world's leading publishers. We are committed to quality journalism from trusted sources and allowing magazines to keep producing beautifully designed and engaging stories for users. They got some heavy hitters here. They got People, Vogue, Rolling Stone, National Geographic, GQ, Sports Illustrated, Wired, Maxim, Men's Health, GQ, Bloomberg. This Business is, Week, ESPN the Magazine, Entertainment Weekly. I mean, this
1: is the his, this is the future of magazines. It's digital. Yeah, digital. Sure, it's because, just content. And you know what I liked about it? Like, I never even heard of this this service texture. Is it texture? Texture. Yeah, yep. texture. I've never heard of it, but you can read all or part of a magazine because to me, magazines are just ads. Like tons and tons of ads. Pretty much. But I like to read certain stories, so I think that's very very cool.
2: It's about brands and content, really, at the yeah, end yeah, of the day. Yeah. So uh, I guess you know. All these big companies, Amazon, Apple, Google, they're all getting into the content game. So. Wow, yeah. Yes. Oh, speaking of Amazon, let's talk to, about Amazon again. We talk about Amazon almost every week. Every week we do. they We're going to change the name to the United States of Amazon. That's what
1: I said. Yes. We're going to be the United States of Amazon.
2: Americans are now more impatient online shoppers than ever, and it's all because of Amazon. Online shopping is maturing, and customers are starting to get more demanding. As two-day shipping becomes the online shopping norm, Americans are getting more and more impatient, expecting there to be fewer and fewer days between the day they order and the time when the brown boxes and yellow envelopes start arriving. I have a, I have a, um, a fix for this just order stuff every day and then every day you'll get boxes. Right. Just keep ordering.
1: it's a, a con. People just want
2: a present. They want they want Christmas every day. They don't yeah. they don't actually need the stuff. Actually
1: true story. They just want to open. Oh yeah. my god, I got a package. Ah! Ah! I know. We are so weird. <laughs> the stuff we do.
2: A new survey from consulting firm Alex Partners asked 1000 American adults across all income and geographic demographics how many days they'd be willing to wait to have an item delivered. The new maximum acceptable time to wait for a package to arrive is now just an average of 4.1 days. That's down from 5.5 days six years ago. I need it now. More than half respondents, 56% were Amazon Prime members. Six years ago, only 26 of the survey takers had Prime. Yeah, Prime's going to keep growing. And
1: It's huge.
2: I mean, they have the same day now, some, some options, some. You know, it's right?
1: odd. I'm just going to interject this small story. I Mail mean, manager mom orders a book a day, or a book every couple days. She, like... I ordered a book yesterday, it's not here yet. (laughs) Honest to God, I'm like, ma, it takes two days sometimes. But you know what happens? We live, like, Allentown, I live on the New Jersey, Pennsylvania border. Allentown has all the big Amazon warehouses, so we do get stuff, like, the next day. A lot of times I'll order it, two days prime, it's on my door, the next day.
2: Nice. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, people are, everybody needs everything, instant gratification, we live in that world. Let's move on to another story, shall we?
1: Because Amazon's over.
2: Yeah, they're done. They're, they're, the, they're, they're peaked. They're on their way out. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're done. You guys you guys are
2: such yesterday's news, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon shaman, it's Amazon. It's every
1: day's news.
2: Yes. Uh, it turns out opposites probably don't attract. Here's why we like people who are similar to ourselves. If you're on the hunt for love, chances are you've heard the phrase opposites attract. It's a great song.
1: You know what? So seriously, I always it's, thought opposites attract.
2: Yeah. No, Paul Abdul, she thought that too, or whoever wrote that song. Oh, that
1: is a good song. Two
2: steps forward, yeah. two <laughs> steps back, back, we go together, cause opposites, opposites attract, and you yeah. know... Okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to edit that up. Okay, um... No, I like that. Okay, I'm going to leave it in. Despite romantic comedies hinging on the idea that we're likely to fall in love with someone with completely different qualities to ourselves, and the fact that about 80% of the people believe this is the case, there's very little scientific evidence to suggest it's true. Uh-huh. Mm. Let's research this. In fact, we're more likely to be attracted to someone who is physically similar to ourselves. Physically? Oh, that's a little weird. According to research from St. Andrews, we are attracted to the features that our parents had when we were born, such as eye color. This could be because we see them as our first caregiver and associate positive feelings with their features.
1: It's so weird how they're really going to newborns on a lot of stuff now. They used to say, oh, you know, five or six. Now they're saying, newborn, you notice this kind of stuff.
2: Hmm. Okay,
1: it's odd.
2: Um, article published in journal Psychological Science suggests that if someone looks similar to ourselves, we are more likely to trust them. Mm. Yeah,
1: you know, honestly, to be honest with you, I'm attracted to guys that a work out because I work out a lot. Mm-hmm. B have similar. I do, I do. I'm attracted. Like I don't know what to say. I am attracted to guys that are more similar to what features I think I have.
2: Hmm, that's interesting. What that. about
1: you? Are you attracted to bald women?
2: yeah I have Sinead O'Connor posters all over my house (laughs) sorry nothing compares to you okay Uh, you know what this is just going downhill all right let's move on okay your tattoo may be poisoning you uh oh Karen yeah alarm total total, total, but I'm never sick so I'm not worried about it (laughs) all right great why don't you jinx yourself while you're at it
1: there's no such thing as a jinx
2: oh there isn't okay your tattoo may be poisoning you say study um new study found that even if your tattoo artist makes sure the tools used are clean, your health could still be at risk. Tattoos are a great way to express yourself and stand out. Science even says that tattooed men can make great husbands. Oh, that's good to know. But there's still... how How does science say that? I don't know. But there are still negatives to getting them. Like always getting a lecture from grandma about how bad they are. Tattoos can also negatively affect your health. A new study from NYU Langone Medical Center looked at 300 New Yorkers between the ages of 18 and 69 who experienced a rash, itching, or swelling that lasted anywhere from four months to several years after getting a tattoo. That's it. I'm not getting a tattoo.
1: I have never heard of anybody that has had that happen, mm-hmm. but whatever. They don't
2: talk about it. Why are you scratching? No reason.
1: <laughs>
2: the study found that even if you're a tattoo artist, make sure the tools you use are clean, your health could still be at risk. The skin is a highly immune-sensitive organ, and the long-term consequences of repeatedly testing the body's immune system with injected dyes and colored inks are poorly understood, ex- explains a Marcy C. Ledger, PhD, study lead, and assist- assistant professor at the Ronald O. Perlman Department of Dermatology. Some of the reactions appear to be an immune response, yet we don't know who's most likely to have an immune reaction to a tattoo. Um, so that's a little scary.
1: Yeah, like my whole family's tatted up. I'm, I have my whole leg, as you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Tatted. If your body doesn't get along with the ink or is worn down by it, be prepared for things to backfire, given the growing popularity of tattoos. Physicians, public health officials, and consumers need to be aware of the risks involved. You should really weigh the risk with the, in, in your head before making your next tattoo appointment.
1: I have a tattoo appointment.
2: <laughs> Do you? Yes. Mm. In
1: six weeks.
2: It sounds like you're okay with it, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, none of mine have ever itched, rashed, or swollen, Mm -hmm. and thank you, and I'm knocking on wood, even though I say that doesn't jinx you. But I've never heard of anybody that has, but if it had, I would be like going to some place to get like laser on it or something, maybe.
2: Right. Scary. This is interesting. Uh, A judge ruled Monday that a New Hampshire woman who won a Powerball jackpot worth nearly $560 million... Can keep her identity private, but not her hometown.
1: Boom shakalaka. She should be able to keep her identity right? private. Right. Yes.
2: It's like for safety reasons. Yes. Because normal regular people don't know how to how right. to behave with that kind of money. Like, you know, you know, one of the guys I work with, Paul Viola's part of his business is providing you know, security for people with a lot of money who travel and things like that. Right. This, this person's not going to know what to do, where to go and it's dangerous. You hear about these stories that people get their targets.
1: Right? And you know what the fact of the matter is like you I, I read a story about a guy, he won the lottery, a, a big amount like this and never told anyone but his father, not even his wife, told no one. Like in and hired a lawyer, hired a financial advisor, did all this stuff first, yep. before anybody knew, because he was so terrified of it. I've never wanted to win the lottery, because I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to do, and I, you know, I'd be giving money to people, because I'd be like, no, no, take it, take it. Right. But I think it's great. You should be able to keep yourself private.
2: You have to tell your home, well, okay, here's my hometown, now I'm moving.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to exactly. stay there. It's exactly. just, uh,
2: Judge Charles Temple noted, uh, noted that the case's resolution rested on the state's right to know law which governs access to public records for the woman. She was identified as Jane Doe in a lawsuit against the New Hampshire Lottery Commission. She was jumping up and down, said her lawyer, uh, William Shaheen. Okay, she will be able to live her life normally. That's good. Yes. She's from Merrimack. It's 25 miles south of Concord. The winning ticket was sold at Reed's Ferry Market in that town for the January 6th drawing. Uh, he, He... Temple wrote, he had no doubts whatsoever that should Miss Stowe's identity be revealed, she will be subject to an alarming amount of harassment, solicitation, and other unwanted communications. Uh, he said she met her burden of showing that her privacy interest outweighs the public's interest in disclosing her name in the nation's eighth largest jackpot. What nation's in like what public's interest? Right. Because they just want to know? Because
1: they want to know, right.
2: And that should supersede someone's right to privacy and safety?
1: Right, right, because this is a world of social media. Good for her to challenge that, Yeah, me too. I'm glad she did it, and I think it's great. And when I win the lottery, I'm not even telling you, just so you know.
2: Well, if I win the lottery, what I'm going to do is I'm going to legally change my name, (gasps) and then uh, after I win, I'm going to change it back.
1: (laughs) That's a great idea!
2: Right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm Schmo D. Schmo. And then uh, I win the lottery, okay, and now I'm Seth Nyman again. (laughs) Oh, I heard you won a lottery? No, some schmo. schmo yeah. <laughs>
1: some schmo won. Yeah, not me. Oh my gosh, you're right? so weird.
2: Well, it's a good idea. I just came up with it.
1: I think that I think honestly, I'm glad that she can do it. And if I win the lottery, I'm definitely going to challenge them. I don't want to be known. Ugh. You know what? I, I did win the lottery once. I think I won like $180, and they let it out, dude. Oh,
2: my my, my lottery story is, I checked the first four numbers, of my mega, and the first four numbers in a row. The first four I checked. <gasps> so exciting! And like one more number is at least ten thousand. And then I didn't have any more numbers. Oh, I got it. Like, it I was like, yes, 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 yes. I uh, want 150 bucks, but you know, it still was a letdown.
1: Yeah, my, when my sons were in high school, what was that high school? Yeah, high school. They, they worked the county job and they used to stop and get a sandwich every day at this, this I don't know, convenience store or whatever. So it was them and two other, no, them and one other guy. They'd always get a lottery ticket. The three of them would go in and get this lottery ticket. So they'd get this lottery ticket and they rub it off and they think they win. They got out of the truck. They're like chest bumping and high fiving each other and screaming in the middle of the street and people are staring. And they realized, nope. It was, you needed like so many and they didn't have the right amount. Oh.
2: And they
1: said they had to crawl back in the truck and drive away. Oh. I know. I was like, oh, dude, it must have looked so stupid. You guys are running around screaming and you didn't, we won, win. We won. We no, didn't win. We didn't win. But anyway, when we come back, um, there's, we have a different kind of um tough mother male I, I actually did not bring any letters today because i got this message from someone and i really want to read it because i think it's just an amazing message and i think it needs to be heard and i looked at it and looked at it and said you know what dude i said to seth we're going to do this because i think this woman really needs to be heard so when we come back i'm going to read that until the time go get a drink we'll be right back The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real
0: life lessons with
1: you. And we're back. And I saw this um, post on Facebook. A friend of mine posted this on Facebook. And I reached out to this woman. And I asked her if I could use her post because my friend had reposted something that she posted. Um, Asked her if I could use her post on my show i said i think this is a something that everybody should read and i think it's something people should know and i just wanted to read it to everybody quickly because i hope it gives you a lot of insight or at least some insight into what's going on so here it goes i am d and i'm 25 years old i have autism i'd like to explain something from the eyes of a person with autism autism is very hard to explain though but i'll try to do my best autism is not something that can be turned off It's not something that can be controlled. I feel things very deeply, deeper than you'll know. Some people think that people with autism do not have feelings or cannot feel emotions. I'm here to tell you, we can. Sometimes we may react to something we feel, but we can tell you that we feel it. I have words, I am verbal, but that does not mean I can always talk. It's not because I'm lazy. This is not because I'm stubborn. This is because the words are all jumbled in my head and they don't come out. When I find myself not able to talk to you or unable to express my feelings after you ask me what's wrong, I get upset. Upset for me means different for you. Sometimes I may may become visibly upset. People ask me what's wrong, tell me, use your words. This has not helped me. This makes me more frustrated. You're talking to me. I hear you, but I cannot talk back. My words will not come. Yelling at me makes it worse. It makes me shut down. This together causes overstimulation. Overstimulation looks like this. The light is like blades in my eyes. I hear you talking. Your talking turns out yelling. This is like nails. Nails in my ears. I can tell you what's wrong. My head feels a million different things, but I can't say it. Scared, frustrated, upset, hurt. This feels like bees buzzing around and stinging parts of my head. I bang my head with my hand to make it all stop. Make the nails stop. Make the bees stop. Make the blades in my eyes stop. You grab my hand and tell me to stop hitting myself. This turns to needles to my skin. Then I start screaming. I pull my hair. I bite my finger to make it all stop the nails, the bees, the blades, the needles to my skin. Stop. What I need is you, for you to do this. Stop asking me what's wrong. Do not tell me to use my words. Please understand that because I can talk and express myself often does not mean I'm always capable of doing this. Please know sometimes something is bothering me deeper than I can express. Come to me. Hug me as tight as you can. Hold me. Help me regulate. Help me calm down. But most importantly, do not call me names like you're an animal, which you told me today. Do not tell me to snap out of it because something is happening and I cannot. Do not tell me that you will only talk to me when I'm normal. These are very hurtful words. The hurt, the feelings that people say to people with autism. Just hug me tight. Speak to me calmly and gently. Ask me, what can I do to help you? Meltdowns are nothing we can control. We have no control over. Believe me, if we could just snap out of it, we would. But it hurts our bodies just as it's, it, just as it's working out. If you like this, turn to the eyes of a person with autism and look at it in their, in their perspective. Let me know. I'll make more posts on different topics. D. So think about that next time. That you're in the store or next time that you're out or next time that you're anywhere and you see someone with a child or you see an adult having a meltdown and breaking down and you think, oh, my gosh, why can't they control them? Oh, my gosh, why don't they stop them? Sometimes there's nothing you can do but hug them. And it's really it really opened my eyes a lot because I'm not going to be so, uh, so much and say I didn't ever look at somebody's kid having a meltdown and think, oh, they should do something. I have in the past, and I'll never do that again. Never. What did you think, Seth?
2: Yeah, it's, um, you know, we have those um, cliches or things we say, like, you know, you never know what anybody's going through. You know, treat people the way you want to be treated. And just have a little more patience with people. Not everyone has it all, you know, can behave as, you know, maybe they they can't be controlled, like she said. And you can't, you know, you can't control what you're doing or, or in... We have to have a little more patience for people and everyone, not just people with suffering from autism, but it, it, that's definitely a big one too. And i have definitely been guilty of that in the past as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't realize it when you're doing it, and I think it's just in human nature um, you, to look at them and go, "Oh man, why don't they do something?" Because your your ch- children are are rel- relatively stable and normal. That's what you think, but it's not that way. It's not that way. And and even with children that are throwing you know temper tantrums or something, I I've learned to not be judgmental at all because you never know what they're going through and you never know what they're affected by at home so think about that it's it's nice to have a kinder word um, world I mean it's nice to give a kind word and have a kinder world and I think we should all try to work towards that so today's mother says is if I can get this to work all of a sudden it's just shut down hold on a minute it says don't let the tame ones tell you how to live and believe it or not I couldn't believe that one popped up Do not let the tame ones tell you how to live. Hmm. Thanks for logging on. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for being our fan and thanks for being with us. We're all friends. Have a great, great week.